You're gonna be uh, you're gonna be the leader today, then. <laughs> oh, I get to be the leader. Oh boy, where do we start? Whatever that means. <laughs> my opinion of the Foo Fighters' new album. Oh my god, I did I did listen to it once. Are they and still I... making music? Yeah, of course they are. What makes <laughs> What makes you think they're not? <laughs> I haven't heard anything about them in like twenty years. Oh my god, dude! No, their best album came out what like ten ish years ago called Wasting Light. Um, and since then, they've done an HBO series with an album release called Sonic Highways. And then recently, and I'm going to get a lot of flack for not knowing the name of it, uh, but they came out with another album like a month ago. I mean, anybody who's pissed at Alex for not knowing the name, I don't. I didn't even know there was a new album, so you can get pissed oh, at you'll, me. Well, there's going to be at least one person. Uh, the name off the top of my head is... The album, uh, Medicine at Midnight. That's what it's called. There it is. I just okay. remembered. It's amazing how we we have very similar interests and yet can run in widely different circles getting very different news. <laughs> Music's a big world out there. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah. I And there is one... I, I have... There is someone in my world who is a constant... Foo Fighters generating news source. So the Foo Fighters can't sneeze without me getting a Facebook message about it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which is good. I respected it. I have no problem with it because Wasting Light uh, is the album that got me into the Foo Fighters and is sort of a catalyst for my friendship with that person. Uh, but since then, I've been a lot less interested in their other material. Um, they have a lot of good past albums as well, but in detail, I don't have to get into that. All you need to know is that Wasting Light is the best collection of music that they've released so far. But is it a game? Is it a game? No, 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 <laughs> no. I'm trying. I'm. Th- I gave it a chance, but no. Like uh, Sonic Highways is the closest thing to a game. It sounds like a game. It's well, it, it could be. That is. Uh, yeah, you can put, right, you can put it in the Sonic franchise. That would work. <laughs> But what is your opinion of Sonic Highway's Adventure 2? It's <laughs> a good name for a Sonic game. I like that. <laughs> no, Sonic Highways was weird because uh, the it, it comes with the HBO series, so it's kind of cool that you can listen to the album uh, with that context of like how they recorded it. And they did this whole thing where they traveled the country going to different studios with different histories of like rock culture. And they recorded songs based on like the conversations and the history of each studio. Uh, and the final product was, eh, <laughs> but, but it's at least at least it's at least an interesting concept. It sounds like something I may at least want to check out. Do you remember what it was called? Yeah, yeah Sonic Highways. It's that. that it's, it's actually an album name. <laughs> oh, that's the name of the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you, Are you talking about the album? Oh, it's the same. They're they're they, by the same name. They're the same. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. fine, <laughs> fine. An album by a different color. Let It Die is a pretty good song. Let It Die is a great song. I don't know what album it's off of. That's that's see, here's here's my problem. My history with Foo Fighters is I it got introduced to Wasting Light, and I know all the songs off Wasting Light. I could name most of them off the top of my head, and if you told me I could say if it's Wasting Light or not. And then there's everything that came out before Wasting Light, which in my brain is all just like one album. It's like, oh yeah, Let It Die, that's <laughs> a song that came out before Wasting Light. <laughs> You know, and I know vaguely the names of the albums. There was The Color and the Shape. Um, 
Oh, damn it. Oh, there was the one double-sided album that's, uh, oh, for, in your honor, in your honor. A for honor? One of those is a video game. I don't remember anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I shouldn't let you suffer anymore. Let it die is from Echo Silence, Patience, Grace. Oh, Echo Silence, Patience, Grace is an album name? I know that's a song name. I couldn't remember if that was an album name. That's also a really good song, though. It reminds me of Self is Cold and Confused by Ben Folds, but it's only because it's a bunch of words with commas in the middle. Selfless, cold, and composed. What did I just say? Confused? Confused. <laughs> I think that sums up where I'm at right now. <laughs> Selfless, <laughs> cold, and confused. <laughs> hey, you need an album title? That's my, t- that's my take. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, I don't actually listen to a lot of Foo Fighters anymore. I just know the album came out and the friends who tells me stuff about the Foo Fighters, we had one listen to it uh, and we talked about it and that's, I haven't listened to it since that's, so I, I don't actually uh, have much more to say about the Foo Fighters in general, except uh, if you haven't checked out Wasting Light, go check out Wasting Light. Really good. Well, speaking of things that came out and getting them. <laughs> Dan, um, what are you telling us? I finally us? got a PS5. <laughs> hey, you did it. Congratulations. <laughs> enough. Shout out to uh, my student's mom for helping me nail that down and tell me it's in sock. And I got it. Came came about a month you early. got a PS5. Yeah. I, yeah, Wal- it came a month early. Walmart like, told me I wasn't going to get it thing. until like April like 15th or 16th or something. And it came like a couple days ago, like two days ago, I think. Uh, for That's like the 18th of March, roughly. Um, so I was very pleasantly surprised um also very caught unaware in that i have no ps5 games purchased uh or at least i didn't when it arrived right um but i'm trying to rectify that and the four of them got here this morning so very excited and of course i played through astro's playroom already the right way by buying discs yes (laughs) i I bought my discs hot takes well well this Um, is this is the nice thing about the ps5 where you got your PS5 by surprise. You got it a month early. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, don't, I feel like I'm ragging on Nintendo for no good reason at the moment. But unlike the Nintendo Switch, if you get your console mm-hmm. and without a game... Pretty good reason. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, you still get to play Astro's Playroom. And Dan, you asked us before the show if, you, if we want to hear your thoughts on Astro's Playroom. I want nothing more... Than to spend two hours talking about this game that takes less than two hours to beat. <laughs> um, I I really enjoyed it. Um, it was not what I was expecting hearing you all describe it because I didn't actually watch any gameplay. Um, mm-hmm. I just kind of heard you all describe it as a platformer, and I get it. Like I I, I I'm I can get behind that, but it's not what I was expecting. And maybe that's just because it's a newer game, so they can do more with what is a platformer. But um, mm. I was definitely expecting like a, I don't I don't know why I was expecting a side scroller or like something something like two D almost I don't know why two, but it wasn't sure. that but it was it was good right. I enjoyed it if we didn't describe it as a three D platformer that's that's our bad we should have described it as a three D platformer and I it's don't it's totally possible you right. did and that slipped my mind but. No, it was it was good. I really liked it. Um, there were a couple, only really one or two things I didn't like about it, all falling under the same umbrella, which is the um, the little part where you like get into a suit and zip it up. Um, I I liked almost none of those mechanics. 
<laughs> like you I mean the Kirby like mechanics. <laughs> yeah, I just I especially the ones where you had to steer by like turning the controller and not using a joystick or something. I hate those. Um mm. it felt it felt yeah. really oh, okay. like unresponsive. Wow. Um and it didn't didn't I had a really hard time controlling those. You may be thinking of the uh there's one time or several times where you turn into this large monkey and you have to tilt the controller mm-hmm. back and forth to climb one with each arm. Uh that's uh very uh clunky feeling. Yeah. The the big one I'm thinking of is the spaceship actually. That's what um, I was going to ask. Yeah. I I didn't I the didn't hate the tough. monkey. The spaceship was very frustrating and I just wanted to get that over with. Yep. The spaceship is tough because there's so much drift. Yeah. Um my least favorite one of those was the the springy hand one. <laughs> that was like by far my least favorite. The, where you the had little to frog like guy. angle yourself and then jump. Yeah, like yeah, it's just it was so clunky and so hard to control. Um, so yeah, that was my least favorite. But spaceship was also pretty. I bad. Actually, I didn't mind that one. Um, only because it was hard to screw Interesting. up. Interesting. Um, like the spaceship was really easy to screw up, and I I died a couple times. Well, I found a way. <laughs> but the the frog guy, I didn't didn't mind. I, the the ball one was probably my favorite, but like that's not mm-hmm. saying a whole lot because again, I didn't really like many of them. Mm-hmm. I definitely liked you know when I was playing as Clank. I mean Astro, um, and going through the actual <laughs> level. Was was that an intentional mistake? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Because I, because, because it's exactly the same as every time you play as Clank in Ratchet and Clank. Oh, uh, I'm so I'm I apologize. I've never played Ratchet and Clank. I apologize. So I missed. The, oh. <laughs> I missed the cue. I apologize. Me neither. It is on the eternal list. But uh, yeah, I I would agree that the the best experience, the best platforming experience, is when you're playing as normal Astro. Yeah, it's nice that. I I give them an A for effort in attempting to uh put some variety into the types of mechanics you use to platform. Like I think that's a I think that's a good goal. But yeah, it's none of them I think actually beats the playing as just vanilla Astro. And mm-hmm. I I feel like if you're going to add this variety in this way, then you should be uh making it more fun or more interesting than playing the vanilla way because you only have this ability for a limited amount of time right yeah i I fully agree with that it didn't it didn't add anything to the game and at at points especially like i said with the spaceship it it definitely subtracted from the game and i was just like i i want to get out of this part of the level i hate this that being said like i don't think like i feel like you guys hyped this up so much and you were like it's the best game and I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I, I think if I had any other PS5 games purchased that I could have played, I would not have finished Astros. I will say, best 3D platformer. I don't. Okay. I'm not going to say best game. One. <laughs> yes, one. We definitely said this is the best 3D platformer ever. Okay. Uh, I might, I, I might have said it's the best game ever. Uh, which leads me to my second point. Uh, to remind everyone listening, I have never actually played this game. <laughs> <laughs> only, only seen. It's, no, but it's it's good though. I think it's a good um, intro to the PS5. Um, I also think, like like you mentioned before, I think it was Alex. Like, it's really nice to be able to just plug it in and play something. Um, I don't have to wait for a download. I don't have to be like, oh crap, it came early. I don't have any games to play, and it's just sitting there. Like it made me made me feel like I could actually do something, even though I hadn't bought bought any games yet. 
did the whole love letter to PlayStation fans thing do a lot for you? Like, did you enjoy the references? Did you enjoy the collectibles? Um, it didn't like. I don't know. It, it or were you kind of indifferent to it? Yeah, I'm kind of indifferent. Like, it, it was cool, I yeah. guess. It was fine. And it was better. It was the best choice of collectibles I think they could have made. Uh, but if it wasn't there, I don't think I would have liked it any less. And I don't think that it made me like it any more than I already did. Did you beat the game? I believe so. Wait, no, no, no. Actually, I'm sorry. I think I have one more thing to do. Uh, okay. I beat all of the different sections and it said something is coming from the basement. I didn't do that yet. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I, ra- I ran out of time. Right. It was it was dinner time, so I had to turn it off. But <laughs> uh, Fine, but yeah, so I have one more. Reason. I think I have one more thing to do if I'm if I'm assessing that correctly. Great. I mean, I look forward to the follow up on that because uh, that part's uh, I think pretty cool and different. Okay. Cool. I'm psyched to try that then. I'm happy to hear this feedback about the sections uh, where, as we described, the. Vin- uh, that differ from the vanilla platforming as Astro. Not that I want to hear you didn't have a good time with them, but those were the sections that, I guess from my point of view, I felt like I had the hardest time getting a sense of, getting getting a good feeling on how how good those are how and how those sec- sections function. I will say it wasn't apparent to me uh, as a viewer that, those sections were so heavily motion control centric. Yeah. And and that, and that just, it, that took away a lot of enjoyment for me. Um, mostly because it, like I said, it didn't feel super responsive. Like I, I didn't feel like I could do little movements and it would really catch it. That's a surprising thing. Yeah. And I found myself like making a bunch of mistakes because like I, I turned it what I thought was left, but I guess I went like two went down or something like it, it didn't didn't catch every movement the way I wanted it to, which, yeah, it was a little upsetting because I was like, this is you showing off your new console. I feel like it should be a little bit better, but, you know, it's fine. Um, I, I definitely loved all the new controller vibrations that I was getting. Uh, the sound coming out of the controller was wildly entertaining for my dog um and (laughs) uh it was like overall i'm not upset with the game or the console but like those particular sections i was like eh, you know don't love it right we jumped into the nitty-gritty yeah the the blowing into the controller was an interesting thing for me because i was like this like i I don't know if this is something like what if my breath stinks like i don't want to be blowing randomly (laughs) like Like it just seems like I don't know. It's it's it's, it's an interesting mechanic, but it's not my not my favorite. The mic is just listening for sound. You could just scream very loudly. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna try that next time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean the the funny thing about that is that's kind of a um, now with without being able to name examples off the top of my head, this feels like kind of a tradition in uh, video games ever since they've been able to have microphones to interact. Like, uh, I think there's a lot of video games over time that have had some variation of the, you know, make noise in the microphone mm-hmm. to do something in the game and blowing directly into the mic is uh, a great way to make a lot of noise. So it's just like, right. Yeah, it's it's an obvious input if the, if the game is looking for some kind of obvious input. So it was kind of funny to see them going back to that. Uh, you know, motion controls are hard because it there's just so many options mm-hmm. and there's so much variance for how you can move something 
you know, I would expect that the actual sensors in the controller are pretty responsive, but there's a whole separate issue of where do you set your tolerances for right. what counts as what input, you know, on it's it's the exact opposite of a D-pad where it's exactly obvious which direction you're pressing yeah. all the time. And I think I think that's what it was for me is like my left wasn't what Sony thought left should be. And right. so like when I say unresponsive, it wasn't that it was actually not responding. It was just that it didn't like my choices. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of a tough thing to get. Which we've seen motion controls before, obviously, ever since. I don't, I don't think PS3 had this technology, right? Um, I know PS4 it did. Can, Oh, PS3 had it. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. The six-axis gyroscope in the DualShock 3. <laughs> That's amazing. Try I, saying that six times fast. <laughs> <laughs> the, the experiences with motion controls that I had that I remember enjoying the most, uh, I could definitely say Wii Sports um, oh, I yeah. liked a lot. Um, for and, and I think it's trying to accomplish less in those games, which is why I think it's more successful. Um, mm -hmm. a, be a better example is actually my experience playing Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess on the Wii because when I played it, this is, I'm really reaching back here, but I do remember the thing that I liked about it was it didn't really care how I moved the controller because there was only like, one or two ways to swing your sword based on motion and it was like left or right or sideways and forward so i could just kind of fling my controller and it would be like oh okay that's it's it, it felt like pressing a button like oh i can press mm -hmm. the x button to swipe this way or the y button to swipe that way and it wasn't asking for any more specific information or it wasn't using any more specific information than that so it wasn't, you know, perfectly immersive, but it was it it wasn't distracting at all. It didn't get in my way. It never did the thing. It never didn't do what I expected it to. And it sounds like especially when you have, you know, steering in like the spaceship. Mm -hmm. The spaceship was the first thing I thought of because you there's a there's a lot of room for uh slippery controls and turning too much. There's there's a lot of room for error in that, I think uh historically. And the problem that I have is every time, every little move, and I'm using my hands as if people listening <laughs> can see me. Um, every time you steer slightly left or right, the controller is responding to every incremental movement. And the mm -hmm. difficulty with that is just if, if there's one mistake, all of a sudden your whole perception of how the controller translates to what's happening on screen is going to uh, be a problem. And that's the kind of problem I've had. And I'm sad to hear that this kind of problem uh, wasn't necessarily addressed by Astro. And it's possible that it's actually just an impossible problem to address because everyone has a different perception of this. Uh, I'm really theory crafting well, here. I'm not sure about what everything I'm saying is true, but this is currently my impression of everything. Now, if I guess it depends on what their goal is with this game, right? Like, is it if it... It feels like it's meant to teach you how to use the controller. And in that case, it worked, right? Like, even though I didn't necessarily find it fun, I now have a pretty good idea of how sensitive the controller is. And if it comes up in a game, I know how to do it. So if that's the goal, it worked. Um, I do wish there would have been a little bit of um, setting, like settings to play with, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. 
um like where it said like turn left and then it calibrated what you think left is to what the controller will recognize as Maybe. left yeah. rather than like me having to fit into what sony's idea is um so i guess like a calibration screen would have been mm-hmm. would have made it a little bit better but yeah um but i think that's really that like that is my one issue like everything else in the game was really good um right. i had i had a decent amount of fun playing it except for those sections um and yeah it's, it was fun this is the problem with talking about things on the internet is like you talk about this <laughs> like oh, i loved it it was great and then we spend 20 minutes talking about yeah. oh, there was this one <laughs> section that was awful and now it sounds like oh this game is like a four out of ten it's like oh this game's wonderful it's just like, yeah, it's, I, I, I would gi- i would give it like i mean I guess uh, I don't want to get. There's, into there's it. only one acceptable answer here, Dad. Don't don't even try. Because <laughs> so what? What is a ten? Are we saying like is is ten like oh, the is ten like question. the developers' ultimate goal of like that? This is a game is the best it could be. It's a ten, or is ten like my favorite game ever? Because if we're comparing it to my favorite games ever, I'm not gonna give it even like a six. <laughs> if we're if we're saying like a ten is Sony knocked Astros out of the park for what it is. Sure, I'll give it an eight or a nine. I just want to say this quickly. Uh, we, I had a brief conversation about giving games, you know, a ten out of ten rating, and mm-hmm. I am want to give games a ten out of ten rating, um, even if I just focus on like one aspect. If I think this one thing was done really well, that would be enough for me to justify giving the game a ten out of ten. Uh, Journey is going to be my immediate example for that. I think Journey deserves a ten out of ten. Uh, for a number of reasons, not just one. But I remember talking to someone in that same conversation who said, well, I don't think I would give it a 10 out of 10, but I don't think I've ever given a game a 10 out of 10 before. And this, and that leads to this interesting question of when some when people say 10 out of 10, from my point of view, it just needs to cross a certain threshold for me. Life is Strange is my always go-to example for, like, this game mm-hmm. uh, accomplished something uh, and in a way that I had neither seen before and I think it was executed perfectly and it uh, affected me greatly. Um, there's a slew of problems that we could get into uh, tens of hours about with that game. Uh, but, like, those problems didn't detract from what the game also accomplished so that game is a 10 out of 10 for me but by another definition that game is very easily like a 7 or 8 out of 10 so given these two parameters the crossing a threshold or does a 10 out of 10 have to be perfect i'm curious how you guys feel about this now i mean for it's very subjective right like like if i'm going to give <laughs> if i'm going to give a game a score it's gonna be about how much I like it. This is the other topic. If, if I wanted to try and come up with an objective scale, I could. Okay. But I I don't think I would find that useful for for me because if I'm if I'm gonna start ranking games, the, the what's the purpose of this for for me to rank games? Right. It's it's so I know what my favorite games are, and I can compare other games to my favorite games. Great. And like and and if i let's let's imagine i started like a blog or i started ranking them on the podcast or whatever and people started paying attention to those rankings it would be because they know oh you know dan's gonna give horizon zero dawn a 10 out of 10 i loved horizon zero dawn 
So I'm going to start listening to this because he's ranking my favorite games at the top of his list. So other games that he ranks really high are probably also going to be games I enjoy. That This is how I use rankings. Um, not necessarily like objectively. Like, like I, I agree. Life is Strange, phenomenal game. I would rank it super high for that reason. I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10 because it's not necessarily the type of game I enjoy. I agree. Audience is very important. And... I have, I don't even know where to start on this topic, <laughs> but um, I guess a large statement that I could make is uh, it all comes down to what you value. You have to decide what you value and what your audience is and what you want to communicate with how you're evaluating a work of art and um, and then go from there. So Dan, you brought up two things uh, that are worth sort of highlighting which is one, when ranking things, there are sort of these two ways to rank things. Mm -hmm. You can have this opinion-based ranking where it's like, where does it rank in my feelings towards the thing, which do not necessarily reflect uh, the game's uh, features of the game inherently. And you can, uh, given parameters, uh, you can rank a game inherently within the context of other games uh, and compared to other games outside of your own opinions. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are the two. So when you ask someone, where would you rank this game? It's actually a, uh, an unclear question. Like what, which one are you asking? Are you asking for my opinion or where do I think this game lands amongst other games? And that, I just want to quickly say that difference that you're defining is a difference in uh, audience and value from my perspective. So what is the utility of this ranking? Is the utility of this ranking to make a statement about the game in relation to other games? Or is the objective to um, make a statement about the game in relation to your personal enjoyment um, and you know, fulfillment and entertainment that you got out of a game? And I, I also think that within those, those, those can both be very subjective and there are ways to also make them objective. I agree. Like in my subjective rating system, I think I'm doing both of those things. I'm saying how I enjoyed the game compared to other games and also like by itself, how do I think it, how, how do I think it fared just on, on its own? And I, I think you can do both of those things objectively or subjectively. You just have to decide at the beginning which one you're doing. Um, because if I'm rating objectively, just like, is this a good game based on X, Y, and Z criteria, life is strange. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you. Probably gets a 10 at least a nine. But if I'm, if I'm grading it or, or evaluating it on, um, like how much do I personally enjoy playing this game? It's still going to be really high, but I probably give it a six or a seven because it's just not the type of game that I typically enjoy. So evaluations are based on criteria that you establish. And I, I, I feel like I can speak to this topic from some authority. Uh, a, a large part of my uh, work and research in graduate school was on evaluating artistic works and creative, the creative process and creativity. And um, if you're going to evaluate a work of art... In its most basic form, the process that you do is you come up with a set of criteria and you weight those criteria 
by your values. They could be, uh, you know, in some way that's relative to each other. So you can evaluate something on uh, different components or different axes. Uh, they don't all have to be weighted the same. And uh, what you decide that criteria is and how the different criteria is weighted is dependent on what the audience for the evaluation is, as well as um, uh, what you value. And that's where the subjectivity comes in. So in my estimation, evaluating art is both objective and subjective because there are objective elements in that you can establish consistent criteria in rubrics, but the subjectivity is in what you value. Mm -hmm. because there isn't an objective truth outside of your values of what is um, uh, most most valuable or least valuable. You can have consistency, uh, but at the same time, people are interested in other people's reviews of things, especially if they have a value system that aligns with their value system. And it doesn't always have to be explicitly stated by the reviewer, but... Uh, you know, when you read someone's review, you can kind of tell, you know, based on the reviews that they give things. Sometimes. You can, even if it's not explicitly stated, you can tell what they value. No, I think that's exactly it. And I was going to say something actually pretty similar. I think that the biggest thing is consistency. As long as whatever your system is that you are using, whatever criteria, as long as you are consistent in that from one review to the next, I think somebody can find those reviews helpful. Right, which is the second thing you said earlier, Dan, that I wanted to highlight, which is you can evaluate something for sake of argument objectively or subjectively. Yeah, actually, um, I'm going to walk that back and, and, and fully agree with what Tony just said, which is that it is all su objective and subjective and everything Tony just said is accurate. Yeah. In different measure. So the other thing that I was trying to highlight <laughs> that you said, and I, and I think Tony touched on this as well, you have this uh ranking system for your own feelings on the game mm -hmm. how the game affected you and there is a utility that can be found in dan's personal rankings of video games because people who feel they have a similar palette to yours mm -hmm. can take your ranking system as maybe a relatively similar system to what they might like. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's how. That's the value of a system like that. And I would like to put out there that I find single number ranking systems of games or movies or anything else to be um, almost entirely useless yep. and uninformative. Mm -hmm. Fully agree with that. Because without established criteria... Um, you're conflating so many different variables and so much different data yep. that uh, I think what you get out the other end is is just noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People, people love them because they're easy, because you can uh, look up a number and you can rank things quickly without having to investigate them very closely. But uh, I think that the reliability of these measures is very low. <laughs> Here's the value in a single number ranking system, and I'm not going to disagree with you at all with what you just said. You're, you are correct. A single number ranking system, for what it proposes to be, is pretty garbage at what it's trying <laughs> to do. Uh, that's, I, I'm pretty sure that's just completely accurate. However, as you, as you also stated, the problem is uh, people love this stuff. 
uh, people can't get enough of ranking systems and single numbers <laughs> that aren't um, greater than 10. Like, as soon as you get into, like, oh, what's a game of what out of 100? Like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, a- as a teacher, people are really fond of the 100-point grading scale, oh, and I have a lot st- of problems with that, too. Stop it. <laughs> let's not start with your education for, for a minute here, Mr. Dad. Um, but I, what I want to say is so many numbers that don't count. <laughs> yep. <laughs> also, it's just all garbage. Like, all grading scales are garbage hey, unless you hey, have different hey, I'm not hey. I'm talking about video game reviews I'm talking That's about all <laughs> things. If you are using a single number it's probably garbage. So the so the value of a single number rating system and using our conversation of Astro's Playroom as an example we can have an in-depth conversation on any part of this game. We could probably talk for an hour about a single level of the game. Like if we all played the game and took down notes, we could. We we're all smart, generally smart people. <laughs> uh, we could probably have like an in-depth conversation on details in that game. There's a lot of details in that game. However, if we have a large conversation and we spend 25 minutes talking about the game and 20 minutes is uh, trying to figure out this one detail that didn't work out someone might get the impression that we don't like this game but if we end that conversation saying you know dan calls it uh seven i call it a 10 tony calls it a nine and then it's like oh okay so on average they actually really like this game (laughs) i think that like that's an important thing to communicate because you can lose something in the larger conversation which is much more effective it's literally more informative than a single number but that single number can uh tie around uh an an important feature which is you know despite life is strange as flaws despite all the obvious problems with it i do believe the game deserves a 10 out of 10 ranking and wherever possible, I try to separate those qualitative statements from those quantitative statements. So I think we can say this game is a good game qualitatively without having to add a quantitative, a phony quantitative. It's mm-hmm. a 10 out of 10 <laughs> because, because, again, without criteria, it's not. That doesn't actually mean anything. But what is a lot more meaningful, in my estimation, is saying this is a great game. And I think it can be as straightforward as that. And I think that these qualitative statements can and should have weights that quantitative ones do. You know, this is where my projections on how culture reads these things are coming through. But I think the fact that it's quantitative makes it seem more authoritative, Mm -hmm. which is actually, when you think about it, not true. Because if you made a qualitative statement, that would be accurate. But if you make a quantitative statement that's not based on any data, then that's completely inaccurate. But I think that we are in a culture now, with some exceptions, we're in a culture now that really evaluates, uh, that really values quantitative statements over qualitative statements and i think that that's uh just something worth acknowledging yeah i fully agree with that that's that's why i always read the reviews instead of just going off the stars because like you know there's like there's a local bagel place near me that has like 4.8 out of 5 stars but it's trash like (laughs) the bagels are always burnt 
And I'm like, great example, (laughs) right? Like people are like, yeah, five stars because it showed up on time and they got my order right. And I'm like, none of these things matter to me. I don't care. Like, I mean, obviously I want the order to be right and I'd love it if it showed up on time. But if the bagels burnt, who cares? (laughs) And that's sort of how I feel about all reviews is like if, if, if I can't immediately tell what you mean by this number, like if there is not a fully fleshed out rubric, like it's not helpful to me. Right. You run into this with uh, app reviews mm-hmm. as well, especially when apps are just a terminal to access a service. People leave reviews on the app that are, you know, things that are relevant to the service or even only tangentially relevant to the service, <laughs> all of which have nothing to do with the app. Yeah. You know, they're mad at, uh, you know, they'll, they'll go to their bank app and the app might be fine, but they'll leave a one star review because <laughs> they walked into a branch and had a bad experience. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's just, you know, it's not everyone is a critic. It's it's also it's also worth noting, like sort of what we were talking about before, which is like if it's not clearly defined, it's not helpful. Right. Like like just because somebody thinks it's five stars doesn't mean that we value the same thing. Right. Like maybe right. maybe you, Tony, love burnt bagels and you're like, hell yeah, this is a blackened bagel when it got yeah. here. Like five stars. So good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just, just because somebody really likes something like Alex, you know, 10 out of 10 life is strange. That doesn't mean that I'm going to love life is strange. <laughs> right. Like I'll appreciate it. It is a really good game for what it is, but it's not. It's not something that I'm going to get really drawn into. I need to be a jerk for a second and ask Tony. When you had described using a qualitative instead of quantitative statement to describe something as good or great instead of 10 out of 10, is that not a quantitative statement? It's it's not. There's no numbers assigned to it. But is there not? If you're going to use the word good or great I get what you're saying. and. Yeah, I get what you're saying, and it's 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 in the most technical sense a qualitative statement, but right. I also would would agree that it's maybe it's just just saying great or good or bad or whatever isn't any more helpful than saying five or four or three or one. So if you take the you know survey thing and say great is a five, mm-hmm. good is a four, like then you're assigning numbers to it, it becomes quantitative. It is also quality. So you can take that statement and become and make it quantitative, but saying that a game is good just on its own is a qualitative statement. Um, and it is qual it is data. It is qualitative data. And uh, I, I, I know it to have value. It doesn't, but it doesn't have quantitative value because good and great have different value inherently yes but it's not a defined value for it to be quantitative it has to be defined we know what the difference between four and five is we don't know in quantitative terms what the difference between good and great is that's subjective then it well it just seems like to me that at some point if you're going to review a game using these qualitative statements eventually if you're going to keep and if you're going to keep using words like good or great or bad you will have stumbled upon a ranking basically right even if it wasn't um, intentional but it I don't, does exist I don't, necess- I, I don't necessarily agree i think i think ranking is the wrong word um okay. i do think that 
if you consistently use these words, good, great, bad, terrible, etc., and and you like use the same words over and over again, you can definitely get some sort of comparative analysis between games. But like, I do think that if you're going with the qualitative approach, it is important to also not just say great and say like it was great because right or description also do that on different like parts of the game like tony was talking about before like not just say the game was great but you can say oh the graphics were great the the fighting mechanics were not so great um and whatever you may want to do in terms of that but i i think i get what you're saying alex but and 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 like tony said like you can you can assign numerical values to qualitative data and measure it in that sense but it's it it is not quantitative until there are numbers sure you can still relatively compare qualitative statements you can consistently use good great average bad in a consistent way and compare these to each other but you can't quantitatively compare them until you assign numerical value because again Great might be better than good, might be better than average, but what is the distance between those values? As mm-hmm. long as it's undefined, it's not quantitative. And as far as stumbling into something, yeah, you can stumble into anything if you're unintentional about it. <laughs> I mean, I so I guess the point is, I I hear how you're defining qualitative and quantitative, and I accept it, but I also like fine. It, it seems like the the difference between those, uh, the purpose of the difference between those is not what I thought it was, which is, you know, a qualitative statement, uh, a quanti- so, because it sounds like the comparison, the point of comparison between things is, I think, what I'm zeroing in on as this is what people find helpful. People want to know what your 10 out of 10 games are, and that can mean whatever you think it means. But if you don't use a number, then you know whatever like whatever you want to replace that number with like what are your excellent out of you know excellent games are like it's, <laughs> it still serves the same purpose whether it's a quantitative or qualitative statement uh in a, in a certain reading of this i think i'm i think i'm pretty sure and tony you can correct me if i'm wrong i'm zeroing in too much on your previous statement of there's nothing wrong with saying this game is a good game but that's not all you're saying either in general, a review will have a summary like that. And Dan, you had said, like, there's going to be more of a description. But it is it is hard to leave a review of something without having, like, a final... Uh, so what are your feelings on this game in general? Thumbs up or thumbs down or thumb halfway or thumb three quarters of the way? Like, there's always going to be this sort of fine-tuned summary, or often, I should say. So I'm going to disagree there. Um, yes. And from from personal experience, we're back, baby. Um, so back in the before times, before the pandemic, um, I ran a site so long ago. called Behind the Scene Press, um, and it was we did a lot of album reviews, we did live show reviews, live live show photo galleries, etc. for for music uh, musicians mu- like taking photos and things like that, and not always, but sometimes I would have people submit album reviews. And they wouldn't rate the albums, and I was cool with that. They gave a they gave a description of the tracks. They they gave some history. They maybe maybe they interviewed the artist or whatever. The one thing that was consistent at the end was I did make them always recommend a song, um, where it was like 
check out this song from the album. This is my favorite. But we didn't do, we didn't always do, not to say it never happened, but we didn't always have to have like a five out of five or a 10 out of 10. It was just, here's a description. Here's some history, some other notes that you might find interesting. Um, the, the, the writer may have given their own thoughts on the album. Like they may have said, I liked it or it was slow at parts or whatever, but there was no wrap up final. Here's what I get. Here's what I think in numbers or even like, here's what I think in terms of good or great. If you want to be, and kind of building on that, uh, if you want to be a publication that has numerical ratings for things, for artworks, and have those be both reliable and valid to a certain extent, uh, but most mostly I'm talking about reliability here, as the head of the publication, you have to establish a rubric. You have to establish mm-hmm. common criteria with different levels and descriptions of each level and you have to have all of your reviewers grading on the same rubric essentially right right? i mean and there's plenty of publications that do do that and so they can provide like a consistent numerical value to their readers and you know you don't but you don't have to do that to have valid criticism you can right. you can do it either way like you know the i a counter example to uh, n- not a counter but like you know an example of this as opposed to what dan's talking about is like the website rtings.com which rates uh, monitors and television sets and things like that and they have this whole like established criteria for how they uh you know rate things and it's all very specific and all very mm-hmm. exact and um you know you can do that and that provides value but that's not the only way to do it Yeah, and I do think that it's more likely to provide value when you're talking about things like monitors. Like, I think when it comes to art, it's less, in my opinion, it's less likely to provide value. Obviously. Um, And and (laughs) that's that's what I was trying to avoid with my site, which is like, we also had our, our we, first of all, everybody was, including myself, was working for free. Like there, we, nobody was making any money off of this. So I wasn't about to spend my time writing a rubric, first of all. I also wasn't going to spend my time trying to tell people working for free that they had to adhere to a rubric. And we also had a very wide variety of people. Like I had one guy who really only wrote about folk music and another guy who really, uh, some woman who really only wrote about metal music. And like, how can I write a rubric for both of those at the same time? It's just wildly different. Um, and also Depends on what you value. my, my, um, my sort of vision was that readers would identify with one or multiple reviewers and they would say, Oh, Brody wrote a new review. I love all of his other reviews, all of his recommendations. And, uh, I'm going to check that review out versus like, Oh, this other person, I don't really listen to their music. So I don't need to, I don't need to read their review. Shout out Brody, by the way, head writer. Appreciate you. Brody. <laughs> Brody, friend of the show. <laughs> it's uh I I have a few I I don't know where to direct my thoughts because I can't I, my head is annoyingly I can't get the thought out of my head of full of English again. <laughs> no, here's the English problem. We I can't get out of the problem of we have ranking systems that use established criteria which makes them more reliable and that is a way to you know reliably use a ranking system if you establish its criteria but now it's like okay but what if we <laughs> I'm, it's gonna sound annoying but i'm serious about it what if we ranked the ranking systems like what does that look like oh my god and all of a sudden we have an idea of how reliable 
each ranking system is based on the criteria, which then comes back to based on, you know, what you consider valuable, et cetera. Yes, Tony. So I also want to say that um, the evaluation and this, quote, ranking system are different things in how I'm thinking about this. I'm starting to conflate. Yeah. Yeah. Because you evaluate things to give them a score so that they then can go into the ranking system. The ranking mm -hmm. system is a higher order level of evaluation from evaluation of the work in isolation because you can evaluate the work in isolation and then compare the works by taking each of the evaluations and evaluating them against each other. Now you can take that, that's like a level up. You can take that a level up even further if you want to uh, compare ranking systems and uh, evaluations. Uh, one of my uh, actually one of my professors in grad school, um, he was a he was a researcher in music education and his job was to go into uh, various schools. He was a consultant and evaluate their evaluation systems. Ooh, how do I get that job? <laughs> Tell me more. I have a lot right, of feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and 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 he did um, a bunch of uh, research to try to draw conclusions about. Uh, what's valuable and not valuable in uh, evaluating creativity and evaluating student work. And um, he garnered enough respect in his field that people would turn to him for advice. So like there's, uh, so, so yeah, like I actually know, I, I, I know somebody who, who does that to an extent. <laughs> did he, did he give up and find out that there's no way to evaluate art and just decided his whole, his whole <laughs> life is a lie? I assume that's how the story ends. There's no other way it could end. I think he found out that it depends on what you value. Mm -hmm. I think it's also important to note that as far, for, Tony, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like he, we're talking about, he was evaluating or he was helping to figure out how we should evaluate student artwork. Is that accurate? Right. So yes. So so this domain was for student work, which is yeah, you know, so different from you know, professional work. Yeah. Very, very like if I'm evaluating a student's artwork th over the course of the year I'm teaching them, that's going to be a very different way than how I might evaluate The Last of Us Two after playing it. Exactly. So there's uh, the the point here is that there's a specified domain in which we're evaluating the creative work, and there's a specified list of objectives for um for for what the process is trying to accomplish right like education has more specific objectives than mm -hmm. art in general right and you have to uh especially if you're going to start evaluating it in a way that's at all reliable or getting even close to valid you have to define what the domain is and so that's like it's part of how you start so uh mr biden if you're listening i am available for secretary of education um we don't we, we don't like the current guy so you can get rid of him are you actually and available, i will though? are you <laughs> i i i have more in classroom experience than our current secretary of education so yes um <laughs> and i will streamline our our entire grading system i promise across all domains my expertise is vast by streamline i mean get rid of it what <laughs> <sighs> i'm looking at the games we've played this week i think i'm starting to conflate some ideas i'm starting to lose my train of thought and i think i i think for my sake i need to move away from this topic i'd be perfectly comfortable moving away from yeah. this for now thinking more and coming back i to think it. i think yeah. i need to do that 
Because I because I'll say this and you could respond if you want, but the thing that I don't necessarily agree with at the moment, and this might again just be more depends on semantics, is I don't necessarily agree that any evaluation or ranking system, I'm not sure which word I need at the moment, but I don't I think we st- t- correct me if I'm wrong, did we state earlier that an evaluation system uh, inherently is both objective and subjective? Is that something that was said earlier? When you're evaluating artworks, yes. When evaluating artworks. Okay. I don't know if I agree with that currently, but I need to think about that. So so let me add something okay. on there, and maybe this might help clarify, um, which is an evaluation system, however you are evaluating something, even if it isn't art and even if it is totally theoretically objective, an evaluation system needs to be created by a human being, which is inherently not objective. Sure, yeah. So no matter what, your evaluation system is going to be subjective because it's created by a human being. It can be more or less objective depending on what the criteria is. And the the key thing here is consistency when evaluating different things because that is that will make it useful so even if it is subjective you know how it's being evaluated and you you can you know what to expect when the next thing is evaluated right i know this as anything that's made by a human inherently has bias that i understand yes but i think um, at least functionally and i'll maybe find different words for this at some point but if given this an established uh criteria and defining things within those criteria you know you can pass a judgment call on how useful this judgment is based on that criteria but based on that criteria the judgments can be accurate or inaccurate like if my criteria for a game being good is well a developer worked more than 100 man hours on it i can say oh this did have more than 100 hours, <laughs> therefore is, and didn't, therefore is not. Uh, obviously, it's not, a, that's obviously not a good way to evaluate something. Mm-hmm. I also find it very interesting that you immediately chose a quantitative thing to to, to evaluate it. Right, because it's easier. You, you gave us an, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, I, I realize it's an uphill battle trying to evaluate <laughs> art objectively. I have fully acknowledged that. <laughs> I, I don't even I wouldn't even restrict that to necessarily just art. I think anything because like t- again just going back to what Tony said before like people have different values. So you can you can be as objective as absolutely possible, but that doesn't mean that it is true for everybody, I should say. It may be true for you. But 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 there's something more going back to like the monitors for example. If you have a mm-hmm. monitor uh, that can output that like can output more pixels than another monitor, like this is like mm-hmm. a clear definable scale, and you know if you don't want to use Correct. the words better or or not, fine. But clearly, one is more powerful than the other. Like I gotta have something to work with here as far as the words I'm using, right? But but at that at that point you're just talking about specs, which isn't really rating. It's right. relevant in that particular example. Monitor A has more pixels than monitor B. That's the objective statement. Mm-hmm. The subjective statement is monitor A with more pixels is better or higher value than monitor B. Right, but people are going to say that, right? Yeah, and 
And I can get behind. Let me know if I need to clarify my statements every time monitor A has more pixels than monitor B. Should I clarify my statements every time by saying, in my opinion, that is better? I I mean, it couldn't hurt. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, like thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pivot to cameras real quick because that's what I know about a little <laughs> bit more than monitors. But like, if if we're talking about cameras, right? Nikon D3200 is worse than a Nikon Z7. That is an objective statement. It is going to produce lower quality images. But if I'm a consumer, that might not be my biggest concern, right? Like if I, if I am, that's I, like, I, I mean, I, t- I totally get behind what you're saying. And I, and I, I, I agree, but I, I don't want to agree is well, kind I, of what I'm struggling with. But, but I have to disagree with what you just said, that one camera is objectively mm-hmm. better than the other. Me too. Because I think that's what you were just arguing against. Like, it depends on what the person is looking for. But is it objectively better than? The, well, is the TV with more pixels objectively better than TV with less pixels? Like, and 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 this is why I pivoted to cameras for a second. I can't argue the TV. I don't know enough about but it. But that's why I but used a very simple the, example. But, but, like, it has more potential, right? Yeah. So I I would like I would say yes, it's better. Like, it, it depends on what we're saying. It's better with. Like, are we saying it's the better purchase? In which case, there may be other factors such as price um, or size, but. But like as far as the cameras go, yes, the the Z7 is objectively better than the 3200. There's no arguing there. Um, it's just <laughs> but I that's, have to argue. That's what but I have is. to argue that it, it's so. But that's but I don't agree with that because again, it depends on what you value. Of course, there's. I saw a, I got to see a gallery series once of a photographer. I can't remember his name, but he made a series of portraits in the. Um, you know, recently, not too long ago, using the Game Boy camera. Oh, sh- okay. Don't get me wrong. Hold on. And hold on. I feel like I'm being misunderstood. Depending <laughs> on what your objectives are, if your objective is the highest image quality based on this criteria, mm. then the cameras you mentioned are better. But if your objective is different, if you're creating an artwork, Sure. then those aren't better. Those aren't going to accomplish your objectives. That's that's fair. Okay, I can definitely 100% get behind that statement. I also do want to clarify, which I, I th- is where I thought you were going, which is like the, the photographer matters more than the camera, which is also true. And I, I was thinking more along my own lines of work, which is definitely more photojournalistic than it is artistic mm-hmm. so once we limit the domain right and define criteria yep you're then right. you can say this is objective yep. you know i you know it's this is objectively better within this domain is i guess something you could say but i wouldn't like i wouldn't say this is objectively better because objective to me means like in all situations yeah is, and now now i'm just thinking case. more about our conversation from the last episode which is like knowing the rules before you break them and like if somebody came to me and was like what like what is the better camera i'm going to say the 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 in uh, to use those two models i mentioned before i'm going to say the z7's the better camera and in my mind that's because they're asking me so they don't know enough yet to break those rules so once you do start to create like more so if, if once you do start to like veer towards more like quote unquote art than than like realism, not that realism is an art, but I'm trying. I think you understand what I'm saying. Um, yes. Then you may want to start picking up other tools, like and and that's something you can do. Like I I have taken photos where I held my phone in front of my camera to get a reflection, and that's a that's not optimal use of the camera by most people's uh, understanding but it created a cool effect. 
and and I think that's sort of what you're getting. At, and I I 100% agree, which is like once you I'm gonna yeah I'm just rambling now, but I agree with you. Once you <laughs> once you limit the domain, then you can then you can be a little more objective. Cool. Yeah, I think I feel like I had to attack you, Dan, for a second because I that's <laughs> that's what Tony and I think heard was you were limiting the domain, but you weren't explicitly stating it. And we just yeah. had to make sure that we were on the same page. And that's a really good example of somebody rating something in a subjective way without even realizing it. Right, which is the other, which thing. is what happens all the time. Right, because as soon as you said like the like they're trying to create these like artistic photos with a Game Boy. C- camera and stuff like that i was like oh crap i definitely limited myself to like the type of photography i do without even realizing i was doing that <sighs> i'll come back to the game boy camera thing i do need to ask tony you said something <laughs> that was kind of a, th- a, th- a throwaway but I, I i feel like it might be very important and correct me if i'm wrong you we said if something is objectively better it has to be better in all cases is that what objectively better means or does it mean objectively better in most cases? That difference in how you define that word can be subjective, I think, because the way that I use the word objective, we're, we're another level in. Now. Objective we're, is we're defined that subjectively. The, well, all words are defined subjectively. This is the problem with using words to communicate. Uh, <laughs> only as, use as I define... <laughs> as as i define objective i use that to mean universally true within across and between all things but i think colloquially the word objective is often used to mean um still subjective but true for most people mm-hmm. or in most situations you know so someone might say this is objectively better when by my definition, what they really mean is uh, this is better most of the time or this is better for most people or this yeah. is better within this domain. But there's a difference. I can. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. And just to to bring that back to my example real quick, most people aren't doing the Game Boy camera photography. And that's why if somebody were to ask me, I would feel comfortable saying this one is objectively better. But you're you're one hundred percent right, and I'm glad you changed my mind on this because like there there are once you decide how you're evaluating something, the objective truth can change and this is why I say, and that's why I think that kind of dilutes the meaning of those words, and that's why I try not to mm-hmm. myself I try not to use them that way, so I wouldn't say this camera is objectively better than that one. I would say this camera is better for you, this one's better for your purposes, yeah, this one is better for photorealism right things like that yeah I, I, you could also I, probably say better on average at that point sure there's there's still an assumption, but like that's such a scale that like that's probably accurate. Like, no one, you can't get yeah. a Game Boy anymore. Like, that's just not even practical. <laughs> well, it's also like most professional photographers wouldn't even use a Game Boy if they, if they could. That, that is for an art project that is, or, or like a photo series that is a, a, a very uh, specialized thing. The large majority of people are just going to want the camera that is, you know, has more megapixels, uh, has a quieter shutter, is whatever it may be. Well, isn't it also like an, an an adage in the photography world that the best camera is the one you have with you? Yes, absolutely. And and so that that's where I thought you were going before when you started with the with the Game Boy Color thing, which is like the 
that the the photographer matters more than the camera and that that is 100% the case. I can take a good photo with my iPhone, I can take a good photo with my really expensive camera and I could I could probably take a good photo with the webcam on my computer. But if I wanted to print the photo, if I wanted to have more uh granular control over settings, like there there is one camera that for my use is objectively better. Listeners, leave a comment <laughs> with your best Game Boy camera picture. <laughs> we will also accept Pokemon Snap submissions. Oh, that's just the tongue twister, isn't it? That's just a lot going on in there. <laughs> we, Tony and I, were part of a conversation with other people that uh, went down the rabbit hole of defining the words objective and subjective. And ever since then, I have... I've not really known why, but I think I do now. I have been incentivized to stop using those words in favor of fact or opinion, factual or opinionated, whatever it may be. And it sounds like I'm realizing now the reason is the perception of how we define objective even as far as objective has to be true in all cases or in most cases. And I don't know what that distinction might be with the word subjective, but I think that it seems like to me the words fact and opinion should be clearer, but I'm terrified now of going down that rabbit hole all of a sudden. I'm yeah, I mean, especially in our current political climate. But <laughs> I, I I think that they they can be pretty clear. I'm I'm thinking of a question though, and and sorry to sorry to backtrack, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. What if we narrowed the field? Like we're you know we were talking about monitors, we we're talking about cameras. There's a lot of options here, and there's a lot of different use cases. What if we talked about PlayStation? Is the PS5 not objectively better than the PS1? Just talking about PlayStation, not talking about other game systems, that's it. Who would you like to answer first? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I feel Whoever like... Whoever wants to go. I, I feel like, based on the conversation we just had, is the first thing we have to say, Dan, don't you have to establish your domain first? Well, that's that's my question is I don't know that I do. They they all they all do the same thing which is play PlayStation games. Some of them do more than others, like, you know, the, you can watch Netflix they and stuff on newer consoles. They don't play the same consoles. games remotely. Uh okay, fair. They they don't. But there's not there's not all the backwards compatibility. But let let's I guess is, is first you yeah. have to define your values. If you value um i want my game console to be able to stream netflix then the ps5 is going to be better than the ps1 if you define your game console as i want my games to have ray tracing the ps5 is going to be better than the ps1 mm -hmm. if you define better as i want my game console to be a a uh, simpler piece of hardware mm. if you want it to be a uh, a smaller system Who's, who is saying that though then the ps1 is better if you want to get into games faster i haven't clocked uh, it but that's a good you one. know modern consoles are yep. often slower getting into games if you want to say that my ideal console from when i take it out of the factory box to when i get into playing a game which mm. console does that faster the older one will definitely have it beat. So you have to define what your values are. I hate this. Thanks. Right. <laughs> Welcome to my life. So I'm going to go back to my, my original idea. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my original product idea from God knows how many episodes ago. 
which is when are we coming out with the pixel noise dictionary <laughs> pixel noise dictionary <laughs> hell let's just make our own console at this point <laughs> oh my god there, well, there's there, uh, they, uh, there, there was a show that came out recently about that. I'm forgetting the title of it because um, I, I don't know. If, I don't have a ton of time to watch TV, I feel like. But um, th- there was a show made about like the, the people that put together the Oxford English Dictionary like for the first time. And I, I re- that like that's a show I'm They're really a bunch of crazy. In. I really people. want to watch because like that's a story that <laughs> I'm, all I, I a bunch of that. insane people, and like I'm really interested in that story. <laughs> I want to. So on the topic of PS1 and PS4, we can say I think we can say the PS4. I don't want to use so many words, but the PS4 is capable of playing more advanced software. So in in a mm-hmm. word, the PS4 is more powerful than the PlayStation One. I think because because that's what you were getting at initially. Like that's why the PS4 is better because I no I I genuinely couldn't think of a single criteria okay. that was better on the PS1 than the PS5. I will I will one hundred percent give you the uh, game loading that I hadn't thought of that. Right. Or even just specific games. Again, we already talked about how they don't play all the same games if. Yeah, if there's something that I, if I want to play Silent Hill one, then PS one is better. <laughs> that that one I had thought of, but I I ruled it out because n- nobody is developing for the PS one anymore. So like, if I was thinking about game selection, I would still recommend the PS five or four or whatever because like there are still new games coming out for it, and you can mm-hmm. play a lot of old games. Not all ga- not all old games, and especially the the farther back you get, you lose out a lot. But I I did think about game selection, but. I hate all this. Let's. I'm done. <laughs> but if you look at if you look at size of library, mm-hmm. the PS2 had mm-hmm. a lot of games developed for it. Like, yeah, I, also I think it was more than I more than the PS1, but and definitely more than the PS5. Yep. And you can't play Baldur's Gate: Dark Alliance 2 on newer consoles, so PS2 is clearly superior. I, th- right? I think I think PS2 <laughs> is the most ever. I think it is the largest library ever, actually. Uh, of any console, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, besides PC, but I'm pretty sure we all know that doesn't count. Um, yeah, best ongoing console. <laughs> Sorry, the 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 the, pan- the pedantic person in me has to say uh, the power button on the PlayStation One is objectively better than the power button on PS4. That's not arguable, and I won't hear it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. I hate the power button on the PS5. It's terrible. The PS5 is better than the PS4, though. Uh, okay, that that's the PS5 fine. button is. It is better to find. It I, is I will better than the PS4 because it's easier to yeah. find. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and hit. Boggles. Oh, I, that reminded me. I thought of one more criteria that we could use to evaluate PlayStations that would knock PS5 out of best console, Ooh. which is is it objectively pleasing to look at? That's the other one. Size, <laughs> weight. <laughs> I feel. Now I feel. Just, now we're just memeing. <laughs> I feel one hundred percent comfortable saying objective with this because it does, is hideous. It's an ugly concept. Does it objectively uh, remind you of Seto Kaiba from uh, Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're back. Here's. Here. So so this is this is an example when when I make statements like that, I always mean it as a joke. <laughs> I'm just gonna there, blanket disclaimer. <laughs> oh god, words don't mean anything. I keep wanting to say new things. Um, what a problem! It's like we're recording a show it, or something. It is a problem because I want to. <laughs> should I go back to the thing I wanted to say about the topic 20 minutes ago, or should I respond to the thing you just <laughs> no, said? No, say the new thing. I don't what know. do you want to say? I had a thought yesterday because I I want to voice this 
I think more than both of you, I have this kind of conversation with people. I talk about rating, how to rank things, what are rankings, um, just getting past what is a ranking and actually ranking things. Like I have this kind of conversation. I've have had these kinds of conversation a lot. Uh, I can't speak to Tony's uh, educational uh, experience in this regard necessarily, but you know, an ongoing casual process for me, certainly. Yesterday was the first time I thought to myself, I think I was thinking about it while I was playing Among Us, uh, which is a game requiring lying. I <laughs> wonder if I am losing my ability to tell when people are being sarcastic anymore. I think, I think I'm getting worse because I'm constantly trying to get better at understanding what people are saying. And that process has led me to realize that anyone could mean so many could mean so many anyone could be trying to relay something in so many different ways using the same exact words using the same exact inflections they just their perception their history there's like so many ways that uh it could come off to them and now i feel like if someone's being sarcastic i'm like 50 50 like is it sarcasm or did they not mean it that way and if i'm wrong i might offend them like just because i don't want to react the wrong like there's it's it's i don't want to i don't want to sound like i'm complaining like i've been put into a position but i do want to sort of protect myself against this idea of like you know making a statement because i'm always intentionally joking it's like i i feel like i've genuinely lost my ability to evaluate that i want to throw something out there yeah. In that, um, would you say that when you're, when when somebody says something to you, you're actively trying to not make assumptions about what they said beyond what they literally said? Give me a minute. Because if that's true, then I think that would make it, I think it makes it harder to detect the sarcasm because. Well now, I, I will say that I'm venturing outside of my territory of expertise now. I haven't... Sure, sure, sure. I, it's, I, I, I do that all I'm, the time. I'm aware that there's some interesting research in communication and sarcasm and you know how people communicate, especially because some people inherently pick it up and some people inherently really don't pick it up and everything in between. But I might think that if you're trying to not make assumptions about what people say it can be harder to detect well that well and and that's the source of your question like right because i have expressed before how i will you know i definitely have sort of filters that uh, i will actively apply in certain social situations and the source of your question is do i actively apply a filter of when someone is communicating with me, do I actively, like an active thought process, try to evaluate what they're saying uh, front-facing instead of trying to assume a deeper meaning behind just the words? That's the sort. That's that's your question or the the source of your question. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think that's what I do. Certainly not all. Certainly not all the time. Because so maybe the better question I can. Here's here's the way I can answer that. I definitely don't do that with people I've talked to, I'll say, more than once or twice. Like, if I already know who you are, like Tony, Dan, a bunch of my friends, like, I know 
very often, like when they say something, maybe they've said it before, I already know what they mean. I can already apply things I've learned about that person. So do I apply this active filter when I'm meeting someone new? Probably. <laughs> I think so. I, maybe. I, I actually, you know what? I don't think it's active. That's why I'm hesitating. I think I would never assume a deeper meaning behind someone's words if I don't know who they are. I think I and I don't I don't necessarily think that's an active process, but that that might have that might be the thing I've come around to. That's the best I can answer that question right now, as far as I can understand. But thank you for now making me do much more self reflection <laughs> for the next two weeks in any situation where I talk to someone new. <laughs> I think I lost the train of the conversation, though. Why, why did we bring up sarcasm? Because I passed a comment about... Um, t- <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll define the thread. Dan, you said uh, <laughs> the PS5 is objectively more pleasing to look at than another console. Tony said, ha, mm-hmm. huh, whenever I make a statement like that, I will do so, but it's always in a joking manner. And then I said, well, I've found that I've lost the ability to mm. not take people okay. at just their face value. And then that's how we got to this conversation. Mm. Got it. Conversation threads. <laughs> <laughs> but you still like playing that among us. Well, this is why I like Among Us. This is exactly why, because it's, <laughs> ah. it's part of the game's design has to be such that someone says something, someone says something else, and they don't line up. And by providing a different version of events than someone else's, you are, in essence, invalidating someone else's story uh, or version of events. And they might be telling the truth. They might just be telling it genuinely, and you might not be because you're lying because you're playing the game. But the thing that can cause a problem is when you tell someone that their version of events is absolutely impossible and incorrect, where you give your version of events, they give their version of events, both can be true. And I wonder if I'm going to call this a feature all of a sudden. Uh, there can often be a problem in the game where because it take, the game is an online game, you literally see events differently because of the latency of playing online. And this is uh, something that I've seen very often where people will relay their version of events and they're both true and they're both different. But the problem is not acknowledging that difference. Because if you don't acknowledge that difference, then you have two people genuinely telling their honest stories and they both believe the other person must be lying. And that will create like a distasteful experience for both players. But by acknowledging that this is just my version of events as I saw it, you can't tell me what I saw. You can make an assumption or make a claim that I'm lying and put uh, probability statements on that. Like, I'm probably lying, and that might just be true. But you can never tell me that you saw what I saw. You can never tell me that this is a certain thing. And you have that confidence in yourself. And I think that um, not everybody enjoys that kind of exchange, which can be a part of this game. Because uh, it's possible that another person, due to their life circumstance to their identity maybe doesn't have that level of confidence in themselves yet and so playing the game could be a very unpleasant experience or maybe someone is working on building that confidence in themselves and 
just again, like it, th there are lots of ways based on somebody's lived experience that this could lead to a very negative experience. Just having to have that exchange in the first place, regardless of how it resolves. There is an interaction in this game that can come up very naturally uh, that where two people tell each other they're lying and both people feel bad. And, you know, I've been in that situation. It makes me feel bad, regardless of how thick skinned or confident I think I am or what. It doesn't even matter. Like, but what I realized is it is literally never true that uh, as you hear a statement someone else makes, you can know that it's 100% a lie. That is never true in the game. I, I can think of a situation where you can know 100% that it's a lie. And it's, you know, it's a rare situation. But like, so let's imagine... I'm blue. I don't know. Some random <laughs> color. And somebody says, I saw blue venting over here, but I know I'm not the imposter. Are you, so are you saying that like the, the person that's being lied about can't figure it out or the person that's being lied to can't figure it out? You can never tell another person with 100% certainty that <laughs> what they say is impossible. So, so if they say, I saw blue venting and I'm blue and I'm not the imposter, that is a situation in which I can say with 100% certainty, you are lying. You are wrong. Again, I, I, I realize, I, I kind of hate this about my argument that I'm sort of arguing. The game is not built upon the steadiest of code. Therefore, the <laughs> I can easily imagine the game mistakenly showing you, you on your game something uh, that did not actually occur, uh, which is seeing someone oh uh, of the wrong color vent. Now, that kind of issue is like really problematic, and I've never heard of anything like that before. It's hard to verify. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Certainly in the context of a game. I mean, I can't 100% say you're wrong. So well, it's, it's true. Thank you. Uh, there, the, 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 the problems that come up extremely commonly are just latency issues. Any other bugs or glitches that occur, extremely rare, if, if per persistent at all. But, it is true that it's just impossible. I, I want to say that I totally agree with you that the game could glitch and cause a problem where uh, literally two players in the game have different mm -hmm. experiences that are both true and contradictory. I agree with that. But I want to take it back to a larger... Uh, I want to go back to the larger point. Are you saying that by adopting house rules, we can avoid this issue and it shouldn't be a problem? Are you saying that this doesn't happen in the game? Are you saying this does happen in the game? Um, like, why did you bring this up? Why, well, why did I bring it up? Why do we bring anything up? Uh, on the topic of trying to understand truly what people mean and understanding people, it might be more practical to call this a house rule, but genuinely, from my perception, this merely is an example of just stating things more accurately. Because if I see something happen in the game and you relay a series of events that uh, cannot coexist with what I saw and I tell you you are that is impossible and you are wrong and you are lying I'm opening myself up to being wrong <laughs> in that situation I think that is just a less accurate statement than saying these are the events as I saw them obviously it is very likely you are lying and if you're not lying, then we have to assume the possibility that the game broke. Now, will people vote and make game decisions based on, oh, we're going to assume that the game just bugged in this fantastic and unpredictable way? Probably not. But it is still more accurate. 
And the nice byproduct of achieving that accuracy is that you can also alleviate these negative situations. Right. But the goal of the game is to convince people of your argument, is mm -hmm. to convince a group of your arguments. Sure. Yep. And accuracy could be a strategy for achieving that. And I think when people say that they don't like the game because of this, it's because that a lot of people play this way and there's different ways of accomplishing this goal. When I say people shouldn't claim other people's statements as 100% impossible, the alternative is expressing events as you saw them and merely saying, if what they said is true, then I have to assume that the game bugged. And the difference between that situation and them just straight up lying and or, or saying, or not even lying, or saying what they saw as impossible, it's either 100% untrue or it's 99% untrue, or they made a mistake. That's the other thing. That's the other thing you're protecting against because that's, that's another way people will feel bad is if they genuinely saw something, express it as such, but actually they just missaw it, which happens plenty of times. Um, but if you tell them they're wrong, even if, even if you can prove it's impossible, like this is the problem. You can't prove it's impossible uh, or you can't, prove that they're lying they might not be lying they might be telling events as they saw it and those are the situations that can cause bad feelings that can be protected against if you just express yourself differently yeah i i i can agree with you that if you play better this way what, what i would call playing better um you can prevent these bad feelings and this bad experience but this goes back to my main criticism of the game there's nothing inherently structural to the game that prohibits people playing this way the game could provide some guidance as to how to communicate with people it could provide a set of rules and say hey instead of saying this say this or you'll be more successful if you do this instead of this the game provides no such guidance so i think guidelines are definitely good for any game that involves talking to each other uh, but i don't think that there's a way to make that a rule unless you have a regular group Right. You can't literally moderate people talking to each other in a video game. Like you can't right. automatically filter out words or phrases or inflections. Correct. But you can provide guidelines, which I which I think we all agree with, it sounds like. Right. And and I I definitely can understand why somebody wouldn't play these games because I'm I'm somebody who doesn't like those types of things. And that's why I would I don't play games that have like random groups. Like I, I will, I will play Among Us. I'll play Dungeons and Dragons games that allow like talking and encourage talking, uh, but with people I know and like, not with mm -hmm. not with any random person on the internet. An interesting example of this, and we don't need to go deep on this, but I just now I'm considering it. When I play Overwatch, I often play with either friends, but more often play with strangers, and the literal way that the game allows you to moderate people's voice is that you can mute people's voices or mute everyone's voices mm -hmm. with one button. And so that would be a more like direct moderation tool that Overwatch provides. But the interesting thing is that in order to make progress in a game like Overwatch, these, these, mm -hmm. the verbal communication is a much less integral or necessary part of success than it is to among us so that was going to be my next question then which is how like like because i'm thinking i haven't played much overwatch but I've, i i 
the closest game I think I've played to that is Fortnite. And if you turn the verbal communication off in Fortnite, you're at a severe disadvantage. Uh, when you're playing with teams, I assume. Because that is one way to play Fortnite, right? Yeah, not, not, not solo games. Talking about playing with other people. Right. This is, this is what I'm describing as interesting. It's scalable. In Among Us, you could still vote. But if you separate mm-hmm. yourself from communicating in Among Us, that is basically removed. That is crippling your ability to play the game way more than it would be crippling your ability to play a game like Fortnite mm-hmm. or Overwatch or succeed, I should say, in those games. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think if you're playing, especially with the bigger teams, like it may not be, I think it probably scales up. But like, let's say you're playing uh, squads and you got four people in your team. And you do not, you turn the mics off. You don't hear them. You don't talk to them. You just play your game. I'd be shocked if you win that game. That's fine. Like, because because there's other teams of four people who are communicating That's efficiently. That's fine. I'm not saying it isn't helpful, but I'm saying the difference in scale. Like, you want to talk about shocked if you win? You turn off your microphone in Among Us. You're winning and losing is pure chance at that point. You can now you can no longer act on the game. Whereas in Fortnite, you can you still have skill. That is how how relevant is skill okay. in Fortnite, Dan? Like more than voice, less than voice. Very. Like there's all of a sudden you remove that skill from Among Us because the skill is in the communication. Right. Yeah. That's the other thing is Among Us isn't a isn't really a skill based game in terms of like the controls. Right. There's no technical skill. It all occurs within right. the voice chat. Which which can be fun. I just don't think it's fun with random people. Yeah, yeah. And I will say, off, I certainly don't often play with random people in Among Us. And when I play with new people, they're often people that someone in the group is bringing in. So there's already like a filtering process that's mm-hmm. occurring. And it's it's funny. You can play Among Us with random people but you can't really set up a voice channel for that. And th- here's a here's a real problem with Among Us. Among Us doesn't have any um, inner innate uh, built-in. Bu- thank you. Among Us doesn't have any built-in voice communication tools. So when you play with random people, you can only play by typing uh, text to people, and that is severely debilitating people's ab- ability to communicate effectively. Mm-hmm. To the point where that game, I would uh, that game, I don't enjoy the version of Among Us. Not just with random people, but also via text. I have played with groups that are strictly like all people I've never met before. But there is something actually very helpful about being able to communicate verbally with people. Uh, As it turns out, uh, the majority of people are pretty reasonable and you can communicate with them. But yeah, they have their quirks and their idiosyncrasies. Uh, But if you could talk to people... Uh, it's kind of like the I think of it as the uh, the car problem, the the road rage problem, where as soon as people have that veil of secrecy where they're behind their uh, car, uh, they can honk their horn and flip you off and they can curse you out like car, like road rage is a real thing. And it's terrifying. Uh, the same thing can happen on the Internet. If you're texting YouTube comments, the veil of secrecy is very powerful to make people express themselves and their anger more. As soon as you open up a microphone, that veil of secrecy gets lifted to some extent, um, and it is actually easier to have a reasonable conversation. Now, you're opening it up to greater risk. People can be more uh, vitriolic, uh, and it can, you can have harsher interactions potentially through voice uh, because you have more tools to express uh, using inflection, range, etc. 
but that's the trade-off of lifting the veil of secrecy. You have to kind of own up to what you're saying even more. I think that's all incredibly interesting stuff, actually. And, you know, I, there's not necessarily a point in here, but it's interesting to analyze, like, where the tools are and how people interact with these tools, uh, I think is really interesting. Yeah, and maybe the point I was making before wasn't so much wasn't so much in opposition to your original point, but um, make sure that we're not invalidating anyone's poor experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. I tried covering for that, and maybe I didn't cover for that uh, explicitly enough, where it is a common situation that people can naturally fall into these negative situations where one person claims something they saw, another person claims something they saw, and it creates a problem. That's absolutely an experience that happens. We could even make an argument that Among Us, um, by its design, I'll use the word encourages a situation like that based on its design. Uh, that, that could be an argument you make here. And I have been in that situation and I've observed that situation absolutely is a real situation that occurs. Which is why I brought up the point, like, you can avoid this, you know, problem that occurs in Among Us this way. That was, that, like, acknowledging the validity of this uh, the existence of this thing is the point of me bringing up an alternative in the first place. For more Among Us tips and tricks, subscribe <laughs> to Pixel Noise FM. <laughs> if people are so, if people are interested in ranking things or Among Us, you can check out the Pixel Noise Discord link in the show notes. And if you like our content, <laughs> you can support us at Patreon.com/slash Pixel Noise FM. We could put a link to the Among Us Discord, too, where I play games if you want to play Among Us with me and my friends. Most of them are cool people. Not Dan. Not this Dan. There's another Dan. <laughs> this comes up a lot. <laughs> I like both Dans. I like to make fun of Dan. Not this Dan. The other Dan. It's very confusing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, you had asked me on the previous episode where we were talking about stealing stuff in Skyrim and the problem that I thought it creates, you had asked me to propose an alternative that um, can alleviate the problem of, uh, you know, the uh, an, an optimal way of playing is also not a fun way of playing without detracting from a casual experience and having options. Do you remember this? You, do you remember asking me this? Uh, right, you, vaguely, you, yeah. you asked me to propose an alternative, idea? and I came up with something. The thing that I came up with was <laughs> if the consequences for stealing something in Skyrim were mitigated where if you tried stealing something and failed, it didn't, um, uh, it didn't spin out your gameplay as much as the current iteration does, where you try and steal something and a guard walks up to you, stops you, makes you force this dialogue choice, and all of the dialogue options are either go to jail, lose your stolen items, or die, or something like that. Um, if failing a pickpocket chance merely uh, did not give you the item and made you unable to continue pickpocketing that person, that might alleviate some of the problems that I was trying to bring up, as well as not removing options for a more casual experience. I feel like that's not that realistic, though. Like, if you fail, if you are in real life and you fail at pickpocketing someone, they're probably going to yell for the police. No, they, they don't. They, they don't necessarily. That, see. That, that might be it's it. fine. It's true, right? Right. So, that, so that's you know, 
And I think there's a lot in Skyrim that's like, how can we make a D&D game without like everything certainly, in D&D? Certainly. Because that's too much for one video game. And I think that's, I think what you're stum- what you're talking about is one of those things, right? Like if I had a player trying to pickpocket somebody, I would ask them to make a sleight of hand check and depending on their role, it could range from anywhere from super successful, they get it and walk away to critical fail where they, they trip Ooh. with the hand in the pocket and drag the person down to the ground and, and anything in between that, anything in between. you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's like a, Right, like maybe maybe it's a DC fifteen, where meaning they have to roll a fifteen or better to to succeed, and they roll a fourteen. At that roll, I might say you don't get the item, but roll me a stealth check, and if you roll high enough on that, they don't they don't find out that you tried to pickpocket. Oh, I like that better. Versus if they roll a one, there's no shot. They they trip and fall and bring the person down with them, and the and the guards oh, this notice is, too. Oh, this is like, great because now we were highlighting the <laughs> actual problem with this mechanic in Skyrim is that it's a binary outcome. That's actually oh, I love this. Oh, right. that's so much better. I'm so glad I waited two weeks to yeah. get my answer. And and, and that's that there's something better. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that's why I love D and D is because it's if you have a good DM, right? Like that you can come up with all these really granular options and come up with like. You you can roll a d20. Great, I got twenty different options for you. Probably not, but like you could, you could if you, you wanted could to. Could if you wanted to. Because the game engine has creativity, right? Mm-hmm. Not just the game engine being choices. the DMs. Were, <laughs> you know, a very right, right, and yes, that and we're, that's... We're, we're a very long way away from, uh, you know, an artificial intelligence oh. being able to do that. Right. And and if if they really wanted to, they could program these things in. It's I mean it's as simple as a few different if then statements based on your your stealth stats. But like it, it, that's a lot to do. <laughs> but it's a lot of work because there's already so it's multiplied by the number yeah. of right. you know, options and people and situations and locations yes. in right. the world which yes. is already very big. Yeah, meanwhile, if I'm making these decisions, I'm I'm not only thinking of what you rolled, I'm thinking about what is what is your background? Are you a thief? Are you an assassin or are you brand new to this? I'm thinking about what are you wearing? Is it noisy? Are you wearing plate armor? Or are you wearing like all blacks trying to blend in? Like there's a whole lot of different things you can think about. Importantly, there's what this is really touching on is an issue of optimization. You the <laughs> DM, you can evaluate a you can evaluate all those things just based on the specific circumstance in which you have to uh, do them or, or like uh, come up with something to happen. But for the game to be able to, for the, for a game to be able to do that, it has to be able to know all the outcomes in every possible situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, the DM, you don't have to know what the outcomes for this event are with every possible outfit, every possible location, every possible combination of characters before you can enact one of them. So there's a huge difference in magnitude of work you have to do. And that's because, you know, your, your brain is more optimized to create that kind of creative solution. Whereas a computer program is not. Right. I mean, I do think there's a, there's a middle ground here that might appease Alex, which is like add, Right, one literally more one option, more sounds like which an is like you failed and didn't get caught. Yeah, exactly. But I, I would want like as me as a player, I would want to know why didn't I get caught? Mm-hmm. Like I, it would, it would have to, ta- it would have to. There would need to be an explanation. I get for that. that. 
And I don't know what a good in-game Skyrim explanation for that would be other than like the types of things I just listed for D&D, which is like maybe you were really, maybe you have a really good stealth stat. Maybe you were wearing clothes that let you move more silently or something. Um, maybe you can teleport or I don't I think you can do that in Skyrim. Can you? I don't remember. It's been a while, but like maybe, maybe you realize you fail your pickpocket and you automatically, like if, if I'm thinking D and D, maybe I fail my pickpocket and I use my reaction misty step to go 30 feet away the other way and be like, I just saw that guy try and pickpocket you. <laughs> um, but like, I, I don't know if that would, if I would allow that one to work, it would be a lot of roles involved, <laughs> but, but there, but yeah, Tony there, I agree with you. There's a, like the, the amount of, information the game would need to make those sort of decisions is just an insane amount of work is immense and yeah yeah currently unrealistic yeah but what we can take but i agree with you alex that we can take steps in that direction in in games to provide more of these (laughs) kinds of options it's just it's always uh it's always a trade-off you know if they if they spent more time making that feature they would have spent that's a different kind of trade-off sure but yes that that i understand I look forward to this mechanic in Elder Scrolls 6. Ugh, can't wait. <laughs> we know they're listening. <laughs>